0: Refreshing, delicious and packed with the good stuff. It's The Juice with Louise Wilkinson on Newcastle Live Radio.
1: Well, she's back. It's Therapy Thursdays and our resident psychotherapist, Tony Knight, is in the building. How are you today, lovely?
0: I sure am in the building and I am great. <laughs> and you're looking
1: great too. I mean, oh. yeah. And we, you know, are crazy busy and we can be looking a little bit haggard as I am myself. Uh, but you look like you've just had a facial. You're glowing.
0: So. Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I did brush my hair and wash my face and put on clothes. So, you know. <laughs> That's a win, isn't it? That's a win. Yeah. <laughs>
1: All right, so, look, we've we've heard about, uh, as a joking term, we've heard, you know, people who are, like, very tidy or very organised or whatever, oh, they've got OCD, you know, and it's it's a term that we kind of bandy about, um, you know, and it could actually mean that we're just tidy people or we're just organised people, but OCD is a real condition isn't it and it can be quite debilitating in a lot of cases so you know it's it goes beyond being tidy and organized
0: yes louisa and i'm glad you made that distinction because you know to some extent we're all you know at times hung up on particular thoughts or you know very particular about certain things and you will hear that term bandied about and of course there's nothing wrong with that you know um it's okay, you know, sometimes to, to find yourself thinking a lot about something. Um, generally speaking, it goes away and life goes on. But you're right, OCD, which stands for obsessive compulsive disorder, is another degree higher in terms of the impact it has on someone's life. Yes. So, you know, these are thoughts and behaviours that are, you know, quite um, quite uncontrollable for people or seemingly uncontrollable anyway. You know, people feel very compelled. They know that it's irrational. Um, and the, the ritualised repetitive behaviours that, that come from, you know, the um, obsessive thoughts are very disruptive to their life. And, mm. you know, for some people can take an hour or more out of their day. Yeah. So it is significantly more than just being particular about things.
1: Yeah, absolutely, I get it. And uh, you know, I mean, we've we've sort of seen there are. I, I'm assuming that there are degrees, aren't there? Uh, mm. You know that, and you, you. We've sort of heard about you know the compulsive hand washing or the compulsive checking that the door's locked or that the right. hair straighteners, you know turned off or whatever that is. Um, so there are certainly degrees, aren't there, of of OCD?
0: Yeah, there are. Um, there, there are types uh, and there are degrees. And so you've you hit on two of the main ones. So, you know, there's You know, obsessions and compulsions around checking. So, this starts as a concern for safety, and it can be things like, you know, is the stove turned off? Have I locked the door? You know, are my loved ones okay? Um, And while those are things that preoccupy all of us from time to time, this is something, as I said, that happens repetitively and unfortunately people can find themselves not able to get to work or school on time because they're checking 20 30 times before they can get out the door Mm. that's how debilitating it is some people have um, an obsession around um, cleanliness and so you know washing so you know hand washing or you know washing other things um, to stay clean and then you've got A group of people who are what are called the doubters and sinners and so you know they're concerned they're very concerned about being right and being good uh, and can feel that if they don't act on the obsessive thoughts that they have if they don't do the right things that they can be punished or that somehow magically something terrible could happen to themselves or to someone else and then You've got your counters and arrangers, people that are very, you know, these are your very, 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 very neat and tidy people who like order and symmetry, and that tends to be related to sort of, you know, superstitious thoughts around things needing to be a certain way in order for aspects of life to be okay. Mm. Probably other ones as well, and certainly people with OCD can have more than one of those categories.
1: Yeah. Yeah yeah I mean I'm just thinking about a a movie that I watched and uh the this uh this girl was in therapy, and the i think the therapist sort of suspected that she was that she was suffering from a c d and he just moved the pile of books on his coffee table slightly off center
0: <laughs> yeah
1: and she couldn't handle it so about six or seven times during the session he just just pushed it just you know you know like five degrees, and mm-hmm. um, and she had to straighten it, you know. And, um, you know, that yep. can be very intrusive. If you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and something's not symmetrical, yeah. that's what you focus on, I would assume. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: A- absolutely, yeah, that's right. So that's one of your sort of, you know, counting and arranging type um, obsessions. And, yeah, it can be all-consuming for people. So, you know, it um, it's not... It's not pleasurable. So putting that book back in place, and, you know, there's obviously a lot of myths around obsessive compulsive Mm. disorder. It's not a pleasurable thing for the person. They don't get pleasure out of, you know, straightening that Mm. book and making it just right. It's more the opposite. Um, Seeing that book out of place, to use your example, Mm. creates a sense of, um, you know, a real discomfort uh, and anxiety, actually, and, you know, a person becomes preoccupied with it. So that's the obsession. Um, and what happens is that the person moves the book back in place um, in order to relieve the anxiety, that tension around that book being out of place. And so that's, so that's what it does. That's what the obsessive behaviours are about. It's about relieving that tension caused by the preoccupation, you know, or the, um, you know, the obsessive thought. Um, and so, unfortunately, people get trapped in a cycle um, which becomes worse and can become worse over time. So the problem with straightening that book or washing your hands or checking the stove is that the relief um, from the obsessive thought that they get from that action is only temporary. Mm. And what happens then, of course, is the the, the feeling, the obsessive thought comes back again. And unfortunately, often can come back worse over time. Yeah. And so the person then, you know, finds that that um, obsessive thought is is distressing, it's very uncomfortable, and so they perform that compulsive action again in order to relieve it. Mm. And so they get locked in this really awful vicious cycle of Mm. needing to relieve anxiety, the anxiety coming back and needing to relieve it again. And so you can see how someone can get so very trapped I yes. uh, feel that, you know, it, they just can't control it, that it's controlling them.
1: Yeah, 100%. What we might do, Tony, is we'll take a short break and when we come back we might talk about how that might manifest and what we might be able to do about it if uh, if OCD is something that is uh, present in your life for either yourself or for a loved one. So we'll be right back with Tony Knight, our resident psychotherapist here on The Juice, very soon. We're back with our resident psychotherapist, Tony Knight, and today we're talking about OCD. So, Tony, I'm going to ask you a question that is probably not a cookie-cutter answer, and that is what causes OCD?
0: Well, yes, it's interesting, isn't it? Mm. Um, I'm glad that you asked that question because this really goes to, um, I guess, the heart of you know how to help someone who has ocd yes because you know it's very tempting to look at this irrational behavior and think you know this person clearly knows that this behavior is irrational you know so just stop it you know the just stop it school of of therapy mm. is only with that easy yes the reason that just stop it doesn't work is because it's very much based in the brain, and you know, recent more, you know, in more recent decades, with the advance of um, MRI technology, they can they've, they've been able to scan the brains of people with OCD and see that their brains do work differently. So this is not just something that they can kind of snap out of or just stop and um, the experts explain it, and I, I won't go into the, the actual brain terminology. It's, it's not one part of the brain. The brain's incredibly complex. And so when it comes to behaviors like this, we're always talking about brain circuits. Mm. And um, I don't even think I can pronounce half the stuff involved in that brain circuit. So let's call it the loop of wrongness in the brain. Yeah. So what's happening is that as part of that loop, the part of the brain that responds to errors. To you know, things that are going wrong is overactive compared to the rest of us. And so, um, you know, someone, for example, who you know touches a seat on public transport has a much, much stronger reaction of this is wrong, this is bad, you know, than the rest of us. So that's what we mean by that. But they have too little going on in the area where they stop behaviors experts call it inhibitory control their inhibitory control is less so in other words they could for example um touch uh, a handrail and feel all kinds of you know wrongness about doing that but have a lot of difficulty at the same time with being able to not get out the hand sanitizer for example Mm -hmm. or or just be okay uh, and get on with it. And an expert once described it as if you imagine that their brain's a car, they're hitting the brakes to stop um, the compulsive behaviours but because they know they need to, but the brakes aren't attached to the wheels of the car and so the car's not stopping. Um, And so it's very much located in the brain. Right. However... Although we know that's true, and, and what this means is that, you know, it's, it's important to be incredibly patient with someone, you know, who has OCD because they can't just stop it. Yes. But nevertheless, the good news is that like most mental disorders, uh, it can be treated, and it can be treated really, really well. It takes time and it takes effort, but it can be treated.
1: Mm, okay. Well that's good news. So we notice these compulsive behaviors, so and we want to get some some treatment around it. How do we how do we start? Apart from okay. just stop it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, ultimately I guess we are trying to stop it. It's just a little more complex than that. Yes. So the, the main the main form of treatment for OCD is called exposure and response mm-hmm. prevention. Yep. So what that simply means, and I think that's kind of implied in the name, yep. is that a person with OCD is exposed to their triggers. And so the first step with OCD if person's never had treatment is to get a real handle on what are the actual triggers in the environment that start the um, obsessive thinking that lead to the compulsive behaviours. So once the triggers are understood, the triggers are usually then ordered from easiest to artists to, um, to deal with. So, you know, the ones that um, provide the least distress but nevertheless are problematic are the ones you usually start with, okay, because it's it's an uncomfortable process for people, necessary but uncomfortable. So you start by being exposed to the easiest triggers, the ones that don't cause too much distress, the idea is that you sit with a feeling of discomfort or anxiety. So you don't distract yourself, you sit with it. And that's uncomfortable because, as you can imagine, without performing the behaviour, and this is, this is the key to ERP, as they call mm. it, so many acron- acronyms in, um, in psychology. Yeah. But um, once a person is exposed, the idea is that they do not perform uh, the compulsive behaviour. All right, they are prevented or they prevent themselves from doing it. Mm. So, what they do instead is they sit with the feeling of anxiety or discomfort or distress, whatever it is. And if a person, the person then learns to tolerate it by being exposed over and over again. What they learn by being exposed over and over again to the trigger and noticing the anxiety, not avoiding it, and see, this is the problem, you know, this is why you know, obsessive compulsive behavior continues mm. is because we don't sit with the distress itself and realize in fact that it's it's temporary, mm. you know, despite how distressing it is. And so what we do is that we try to avoid it. And in OCD, of course, they avoid that feeling by performing that um, that compulsive behavior. But distraction is equally not a good idea because it adds to the scariness, I guess, of the trigger itself. Yeah. And so what do you do? You face it. You learn to face it and you learn to deal with the um, anxiety. And when a person can do that, as I said, starting small and working up, um, is that they realise that the the anxiety generally goes in a wave. So when you can't or choose not to perform the compulsive behaviour, the anxiety levels rise like a wave. And while you're still tolerating it and tolerating it, okay, eventually the anxiety will peak and it will start to come back down again. Why? Because no state is permanent in, in we, you know, all of these emotional and mental states are temporary and that's yeah. true for anxiety as well. And so the idea is to get, ideally is to get to the other side of the anxiety, to have a person realise, as I said, that number one, the anxiety is temporary And secondly, that they can tolerate it. They can tolerate it without having to resort to that compulsive behaviour to reduce it. And by doing that over and over again, it becomes easier and easier to tolerate the anxiety. In general, the anxiety goes down. It may not always, but, you know, it usually does. Mm -hmm. Um, And what the person's, significantly what the person's doing is that they are breaking that very close relationship between the obsessive thought and the compulsive um, behaviour. And so that, in effect, ends obsessive compulsive disorder. And so the idea is that as you can tick off each one, you know, how long does it take? It, It kind of depends on a whole lot of stuff. The more a person can be exposed and can tolerate it, the sooner they can get through it. But obviously everybody has their own level of, you know, being able to tolerate The anxiety, and so you work up the list Mm -hmm. until you get to the things that are causing the most distress. But, but in a nutshell, the process is exactly the same. And you know, there there are you know other than ERP or as part of ERP, there's there's other things as well that are good to do. So you know, for example, it might be that um, you face the um, the thoughts themselves and. Um, you can journal about the thoughts, you know, as they as those obsessive thoughts are coming up, you can write down the thoughts um, and writing them um, can also, because you're being exposed to them, can sort of, you know, lessen their sting, so to speak. Yeah. Um, you attach less importance to them over time. Um, you know, for some people they may need to have that period of worry, but the idea is that they worry about their um you know, whatever their triggers are at like for 10 minutes a day at a certain time of day under Mm. certain conditions and certain rules. um, Challenging those thoughts. So reminding yourself that, you know, that they are irrational. Um, You know, some people will, for example, do audio recordings of their obsessive thoughts and play it back for like, you know, up to 45 minutes a day. And and listening to them over and over again is being exposed to them without performing the associated behaviour. So, you know, all of those things are really, you know, challenging that relationship. Yes. And you think, you know, between the thoughts and the behaviours with a view to kind of being exposed to the thoughts and reducing the impact of those thoughts on behaviour. But there's additional things as well, and, and this kind of applies to pretty much all mental disorders, and, and really just to sort of, you know, life in general, just living well, and that is being mindful of um, lifestyle factors, health, basic health, eating well, exercise, sleeping well, you know, relaxing, having support. Uh, all those things are really important, particularly if you have a mental disorder because they all impact um, your ability to be able to cope with things. Mm. And so. You know, they sound like they're not important because they're kind of tacked onto most therapies, but they're really crucial. They're really crucial to, to the success of any therapy. And, and just finally, Louise, obviously um, for severe cases, medication is important mm. too. And so there are some good medications out there for people to take that can reduce um, the, the symptoms of obsessive compulsive disorder.
1: Right. Tony, yes. this has been absolutely fascinating. And, uh, you know, it's great to know that there is help and support out there for people who might be suffering this because it really is. I mean, I have seen it in action with some people around me that I do know and, and it really is debilitating and it's frustrating mm-hmm. for them because they they know at, a, at an intellectual level that yeah. um, it's not rational but they just can't control that. So, you know, getting a therapist and being exposed to that under those controlled conditions can really... Start to help on the road to being able to break that cycle and that relationship, as you say, between uh, the obsessive thought and the compulsive behaviour, and uh, and get you know so much time back in your day and uh, and give your nervous system a little bit of a break as well. Um, yeah, that's
0: right. This is about taking back control of your life. And look, it's not easy, but was easy. You know, everyone with OCD would be doing it. Yes, it, it's, it's it's challenging. But with the right support and the right strategies in place, it can certainly be done. And I think the rewards are so worth it just to feel like you're back in charge of your own life again.
1: Yes, 100%. It's a big reward. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Tony, thank you so much for this discussion. I love what you bring to the table, my friend. Uh, Merry Christmas to you. I will see you in the new year and uh, have a wonderful break.
0: You too, Louise, and saying to all the listeners. Have a really wonderful Christmas, and if you're finding it difficult at this time of year, please reach out and get support.
1: Yes, absolutely. That was Tony Knight, our resident psychotherapist here on The Juice.